The shape of work is changing. We've all heard of the gig economy and people talking about an agile workforce, mobile workers, co-working, all these words that describe a shift in the way we view work. Today, we're talking with Serenum, a platform that manages all your staffing needs. We're talking about onboarding, human resources, compliance, scheduling, monitoring, financials, analytics. Yeah, all that. So how does this all work? Find out on this episode of Dynamo Discussions. That is, if we can get the podcast equipment to cooperate. Oh, I just lost. Mike just went out. Now it's back. I don't know why everything's getting janked here. Let's just cue the music. Josh Pines, co-founder and head of marketing and corporate development at Serenum Software. Okay, cool. All right. And then who are your co-founders? Benjamin Rubin is our CEO and and founder. Um, We also had a previous co-founder who's no longer working with us but remains as an advisor. Um, Where is Ben? Uh, Right now, he's probably about over Ireland. Oh. Yeah. Exciting. Um, Okay. Well, let's just get started. Why don't you start from the beginning? How did this company ever even come to exist? Sure. So our our founder uh, and current CEO, Benjamin Rubin, had been in the uh, temp business um, for many years, um, and uh, particularly in the transport industry. And it was always struggling with growth because he was unable to manage all the the people, putting them in the right place place, uh, place at the right time. Um, but also the health and safety challenges in the transport industry, particularly in, in England, which is uh, you know, very particular about their health and safety. Um, around uh, 2011, the opportunity to uh, provide staff to the London Olympics came up, and uh, Benjamin put forward a bid, uh, fully believing that he was included as the sort of token local opportunity, uh, local vendor. Um, the other three or four uh, vendors in the uh, in the RFP process were large globals, and he was a you know couple hundred um, payroll team uh, of uh, of temps, uh, and and actually they won, and the, and the reason why they won was the vision for the technology uh, to manage uh, manage those staff, uh, both from a recruiting perspective, which came through. Uh, uh, some other technology that now Serenum uh, integrates tightly with, um, as well as what became Serenum, uh, the ability to uh, manage health and safety within your, your roster, the ability to have a level of confidence in putting the right person in the right place at the right time beyond anything out uh, in the market. At that time, and, and we believe still uh, to this day, um, he went out and then you know, had to build the software mm-hmm. uh, to be able to live up to the promise of the, the pitch to the um, So to he the pitched basically Olympic his games. idea, but it didn't exist yet. Basically, yeah. They had, they had had essentially the framework together, mm-hmm. um, but when you're managing a, a couple hundred people versus what would turn out to be nearly a thousand, uh, it's a very different level of sophistication for the technology. And, and the basically the, the requirements are... You know, much fewer. Um, there's <clears throat> there's research out there that basically, you know, uh, someone who's been working in this space for a while can essentially manage in their head up to 150 people. You can remember the basics of about 150 people. He or she is good at this or that. Mm-hmm. Um, he or she is available with the help of a spreadsheet. Um, uh, so, you know, clearly they cross that sort of key threshold when they started to supply staff to the Olympic Games. Well, thankfully, the, uh, the, the Olympic Games came off without a hitch. In fact, it was touted as sort of the best staffed uh, part of the, the games. Um, the uh, the um, staffing business grew accordingly, and that was when Benjamin set out 
um, along with uh, the uh, co-founder I mentioned earlier, Ben Hizek, uh, to build the technology as a product. So we spent, uh, the company spent 2013 essentially starting to productize it, uh, build it out, define the requirements, um, what had been essentially an internal IT project, Mm -hmm. uh, making it into a, a product for the outside world. Um, in 2014, identifying some beta customers, um, some of whom came from the, the roster of customers that the staffing, the temp business was supplying. Um, but, you know, the typical sort of friends and family, hey, would you try this out? Um, and then um, I joined uh, in the middle of that process, mm-hmm. um, coming from uh, the software world. Um, obviously, Benjamin had a lot of experience on the, the temp and staffing world. Um, so we, we had a nice sort of yin-yang there in terms of our uh, personalities and, and experience, um, and we spent again 2014 trying to uh, build out a, a, a roster of beta customers that would accurately reflect what we thought our core markets would be. So types, size, um, industries, types of requirements, challenges in the health and safety space, um, and always with uh, the transport and logistics world, you know, kind of right at the top of that list. Um, 2015 um, was was a big year as we essentially moved out of beta with most of those customers, uh, reached a level of commercial viability, full, fully productized. Um, you might say that we had sort of MVP in 2014 summer, um, and in 2015 we reached sort of 1.0 um, in the summer, and, and you know now we're we're sort of proud to be into the the 2.0s and and. Um, we're renewing all the, uh, virtually every one of the beta customers has now been a customer since since day one. Um, so that's that's kind of the, the trajectory mm-hmm. of the business over the last two and a half or so years. It sounds actually like it was kind of smooth sailing. <laughs> it's never smooth <laughs> so, sailing. So yeah, have, what has been the biggest challenge, I guess, in its growth? Um, so there's there's a few things that stand out. Um, first of all, you you have your suspicions about who your target market is, right? Your 2014, you're identifying your beta customers. Oh, they're going to be great. They're going to use it. They're going to behave the way we want a customer to behave. And that's rarely the case. Uh, there's an old saying we, we always love to remind ourselves of in the office, man plans and God laughs. Um, and then there's another one that's basically the purpose of a plan is to have something to change. So, um, you know, we're very comfortable with that. Um, Benjamin brings uh, his background as a scientist. He's a biologist by training. Um, and, and I spent a while uh, in um, management consulting really focused on innovation, um, the ideas of failing faster um, and really learning from it. Every, every new effort should be thought of as an experiment. Um, so, you know, the key is not to let those, um, let's say, mini failures uh, let you down too yeah. much. So, um, you know, a good example is uh, we built our platform on top of the uh, Force.com platform, Salesforce's uh, software development platform, um, and it's it's extremely powerful. Uh, it gives us the R&D resources of a company much larger than our size. Virtually, um, you know, Salesforce spends about 600 million U.S. dollars on R&D each year, and we benefit from that dramatically. Maybe not all 600, but mm-hmm. certainly in the multiple multiples of that. Uh, multiple hundreds, um, and there aren't too many 12, 13-person companies that can say that. Mm-hmm. Um, gives us confidence in our scalability and our reliability, the security that our platform provides. Certainly, as a company based in the UK, um, we're able to provide uh, you know server coverage uh, based on the geography that's important for our customers, whether they're in uh, the EU and covered by EO, EU personal uh, security and privacy rules or in the U.S. or, or, or whatever is required. So that's been great. Um, but the process of becoming an official partner and getting validated, 
Uh, it's, Salesforce is not quite as nimble as it once was, mm -hmm. and uh, it does take some time. Um, you know, we, to a certain extent, your hands are tied if you're a Salesforce partner until you become officially validated vis-a-vis uh, -vis commercialization. Um, Benjamin brought me on board specifically with commercialization in mind and uh, sort of going from the basic MVP to being able to, to sell at scale. And, you know, when, when you're waiting for this process that took, I don't know, 11 to 14 months, depending on when you start the clock, um, and we were counting on three to six months, which is what they tell you up front. So that's certainly a big one because that, that, holds, that holds you down. That, that ties your hands on a variety of things. What is that process? What does that look well, like? Well, so, so there's commercial aspects of it that, you know, you have to uh, essentially negotiate a relationship. And we're an OEM product, so we've got Salesforce built in. Every, every time we sell our product to one of our customers, they've got the Salesforce uh, nuts and bolts underneath um, and so, you know, there's a commercial aspect, but there's also passing various security tests. Um, and, you know, we're not on the high on the list. Uh, and it's a matter of really doggedness, you know, just mm -hmm. calling them up, sending emails. Hey, don't forget about us. Did we fill out the right forms? You know, checking on that. And, you know, just drags out. And when you're trying to build other plans, marketing and sales otherwise, and, and, and corporate development as well, you're looking for partnership opportunities. If you haven't gotten that yet, that, that, uh, that holds you back. So that's, that's an example of, yeah. yeah, it wasn't exactly smooth sailing. Um, we were able to do other things in the meantime and, and build up our team, um, build up some of our relationships that weren't as dependent upon that. Um, and I think, uh, you know, another example is we've been big believers in building an ecosystem, building a, a, our vision involves both having the best technology for uh, what we do in managing hourly workers, but also b uh, including it in an ecosystem and building the relationships to support that ecosystem. Um, and that, that also, you know, it always takes longer than you thought. It's kind of like renovating your house, right? The, mm -hmm. the contractor says six months, then you know it's eight. Yeah. Talk about the <laughs> dynamic, uh, as it relates to hourly workers, because I feel like that's the big strength of what you guys have put together and built. More people are working away from a salary type position, are mobile, so on and so forth. Yeah. Just talk about that macro shift, because I feel like that's quite important to many industries, even beyond what you do. Yeah, you hear a lot. You hear the terms uh, gig economy or hourly re revolution thrown around a lot. Um, and um, they're often applied for uh, just those sort of internet-driven companies that live off that, right? So the Airbnbs and, and um, the Ubers of the world. Uh, but the truth is that it's it's much broader than that. Um, you know, we often throw out the term the Uberization of the workforce. Part of it is coming from the workforce. Part of it is coming from the technology, and part of it is coming from the employers. So. For example, our business, our platform was built to manage a, a staffing agency. We'll use that. I'll use that word a lot, an agency. Um, but the truth is, Uber is just an agency. It's just an agency that's extremely well, uh, you know, driven by technology very well, uh, pun intended. Um, mm -hmm. And the the our goal is to make sure that the other uh, agencies, as well as companies that hire and manage their workers in a similar fashion, because they have a dynamic workforce, people who work in multiple places or have multiple roles, um, or it's a twenty four seven type job, um, <clears throat> as these other gig economy type jobs are. Um, we're, our goal is to provide the, the, the technology to allow them to keep up with the, the Ubers and, and Airbnbs of the world um, because the dynamics of the relationship with the worker have changed. Um, now, there are certainly uh, a, a lot of uh, criticisms of the business models of these business uh, and, and how they're 
the workers are being managed. I won't get into that from a, a, a legal and, and political perspective, um, but the, the emphasis for hourly workers who have their own desires, um, who need to be engaged, um, that, that's relatively new, right? If you think back uh, through the evolution of, of the types of workers we're talking about, you go from sort of the agrarian model to the industrial model, um, they weren't exactly the best treated workers. Um, so being able to allow those workers to define when, when they would, he or she would like to work, um, communicate with them. I mean, uh, everybody in the white collar world is used to doing virtually everything they want on their phone. Um, why shouldn't that be the case with hourly workers? Whether they're, whether they're white collar type workers like nurses or engineers who maybe are in a, a dynamic workforce type environment or cleaners and, and, um, and drivers and pickers and packers. Sure. Walk us through as a manager that's responsible for, let's say, um, electricians in the field. How would I use your product to schedule them, make sure they are where they need to be, and then compensate them? So if you're, if you're talking about managing a, a team of electricians across, for example, your seven or eight uh, construction work sites, um, and you're, you're in sort of the home office, right? Um, there are different scales, different skills required, um, different uh, licenses required. Um, and at, at a very basic level, um, you can use our tool to automatically match the, the skills and licenses required to uh, the workers in your sort of portfolio or your, your pool of workers. Um, now, that's not particularly new, uh, but being able to then really seamlessly, and, uh, seamlessly automate the process, both to communicate to them, to ensure that there's no conflicts, to ensure that all their licenses and certification, health and safety, particularly in construction, where there are significant rules and regulations around the number of hours you work, uh, around the number of nights you work in a row, for example. Um, if, you, if you think of the transport industry, uh, electricians and electrical engineers working on the tracks uh, of, of the train industry, working on buses, um, anybody who touches any sort of transportation uh, is governed very specifically by rules and regulations, depending on the country or even state or even um, local municipality level. Uh, but taking the UK as an example, it's highly regulated, and any violation is actually, uh, is actually uh, cause for significant fines. Um, and, you know, God forbid anything happens, um, there's actually the potential of, of civil litigation against uh, the people involved. So being able to both ensure that you've got the safest group, the best trained group, the best available group, um, and also making your workers happy, that they're working when they want to work, right? So if I'm an electrician and I said, you know, I don't want to work Thursdays, my daughter has soccer then, um, you know, you're going to have a happier workforce, you're going to have fewer accidents, uh, you're going to have more on time, and, and we see it already with our customers. Um, you know, obviously there's significant savings with the automation, uh, but there's also a significant sort of soft savings in terms of being on time more, fewer accidents, uh, much happier workforce, and you know, that, that's a big part of what we do. You touched on this earlier, but how did you actually get involved in this project? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a little bit of good old-fashioned networking. Um, I was in London looking for a new challenge. Um, I'd spent about uh, 15 years or so in software management consulting, and, um, you know, I reached out to my network. Um, through that network, I had a number of conversations with people who, whom I thought of as, uh, you know, as good, good contacts for well, maybe, maybe it was time. I'd spent my time mostly at larger companies previously, and I was looking to get back into the startup world. I hadn't been there in a while. And uh, I had one great conversation with a woman named um, 
Evelyn Rubin. Uh, you can sort of guess where it's going by the surname. Uh, but Elv Evelyn works in the venture capital space, and we were talking about a bunch of different portfolio companies. And then at the end of the call, she was very professional. She said, I'm going to take off my, pers my professional hat, put on my personal hat. My brother-in-law is doing something just down the road from you, and I think you guys would hit it off great. And, uh, you know, I met Benjamin for coffee week or so later, and it was very clear that the, the skills were a match. I still have sort of saved the first email exchange because I, I love the tone of it all. We were sort of polite and also kind of gushing at the ability to sort of find someone that was a good fit because mm -hmm. he, he hadn't really worked with anybody who'd worked in, you know, enterprise software. Uh, and I was looking for the right software startup environment. Um, you know, practically speaking, have family, kids, mm -hmm. you know, you want to go into a startup environment you have a little confidence in. And, and I could sort of see right away, hey, he has a vision, he's had experience, he's managed and grown businesses similarly. Um, and it was very clear that there was an affinity there. What has been the best day at Serenum? Am I pronouncing that right? Yeah. Okay. Serenum. Um, the best day. Wow. It's probably been, I'm going to choose the three-part answer. Um, so about, it's about four months ago now, we had, you know, we're a SaaS product. Um, that's not a new selling model for SaaS to go in and sell to a department and then hopefully expand. Um, so the, the analog for us was that with one of our clients, uh, a large railroad company in, in the UK, um, Actually, it's a global company, uh, but for their UK business, we had sold into one depot, one essentially, you know, one location for maintaining um, their trains. And uh, we'd been in there for a year and a half, uh, been going well, and it had been a very long process to try to essentially sell that sort of SaaS expansion, uh, foot in the door to the, to, to the enterprise sale. And it must have been April uh, or May of this year um, when we got the call that the company, so they had actually put it out for bid to do the rest of the, the depots, not including the one that we were already at. So we're thinking, well, that's that's terrible, you know. <laughs> we got to go through the bid process when we're already doing great at here. And, and we lost. We lost to a much bigger company. Um, not uncommon in the software space, right? <clears throat> People don't get fired for hire, for uh, for hiring IBM, uh, as, the old, as the old saying goes. Um, and, uh, well, it wasn't IBM, but we were certainly going up a company that was, you know, I don't know. 50 times bigger than we were, mm -hmm. you know, they had over 200 developers. It's, it's a very different business oh, model. Yeah. Um, and after, I think, eight, 10 months, uh, they, they failed to deliver on the contract. So essentially, they reopened the bidding process. But since it was very clear that we were the other option, um, you know, we had to have a short selling process. And I think the day that we found out about that was very validating for us. It was very much like... That's very exciting. Yeah. You know, uh, and not to mention the fact that it was essentially 10 times the size of the opportunity that we previously had. So we, we measure it. Our North Star is the number of workers managed. Um, and we started with just 200, and now we're um, at 2,000 within that, that space. And then I would say the next best day was just about a month ago. And uh, pretty much in the staffing business... Um, there's a top, there's sort of a big five, uh, and we, we've been talking to all the big five in a variety of geographies or departments um, for really since day one of the commercialization, since last summer. Um, and pretty much the biggest opportunity that we'll ever get um, in the long run, we're not there yet, um, when, we, when we got the call that they, that they agreed to, to, to use Serenum, um, again, for just one sliver of their business, but that was really a, a 
huge thing. And it was a great validation. I mentioned earlier in the, the conversation that we have uh, a strategy that's pinned around building the best technology for what we think is most important for managing workers around scheduling and the, the overlaying of compliance uh, into that scheduling and then also the ecosystem story. And they made it very clear when they chose us that it was both parts of that. So they felt that we had the best technology, but that we plugged into an ecosystem that they wanted to be part of. And that was very, very validating, you know, for, for both our product and commercial team, which is, uh, which is great for, you know, company morale. Yeah, very cool. That's all the questions we have. Thank you so much for talking Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure. Okay, that's it for this week's episode. Come back next week for more cool stuff. If you want to learn more about Serenum, go to serenum.com. That's S-I-R-E-N-U-M.com. Learn about Dynamo at hellodynamo.com. And say hello to us on Twitter at thisisdynamo. Okay, be back next week.